the dance floor together better cancel all your plans all right, uh, Garrett Anderson coming at you live here on Tuesday, June 6th. I just realized I need to text my wife to make sure I'm not on, on kid pickup duty today. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, babe, you uh, you good on pickup today? Pickup today. Okay, if she picks up the kids... They'll be home in about 45 minutes, and I don't want to ramble on for, for much longer than that. So uh, this will be a, a quick little slot, a little time slot in the day. I like to do these early in the week. kind of gets me, you know, kind of brings me a little bit of peace and uh, a little bit of moment of reflection as we get into the week. Uh, you know, um, it feels good. So, hey, babe, you good on pickup today. All right. And if she says no, then uh, this might be even shorter. All right. So anyway, um, how's everybody? I hope you're well. If you are a family member, I love you. If you are a friend, I also love you. And uh, what up, Omi? Um, uh, And if you're a fan, welcome to the madness that is the six inches between my ears and and the sounds that come out of my face. When I take some time to just kind of sit with myself and plug in a microphone and here we go and do this thing called live at you. So uh, if anybody is new, uh, it's a it's a goofy little podcast here that I, 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 I like the expression throw spaghetti on the wall. I'm just trying all sorts of different things. I think the expression comes from if uh, if spaghetti sticks to the wall, then it's done. Um, what is that? Starches? the starches are starting to release so it's sticky so it sticks to the wall i don't know the expression i guess means you're throwing noodles at the wall to see what sticks um so the i guess it's you you try a lot of different ideas and then you see what sticks and see what works and uh try to hone in on on a little bit of creative content that is fun and engaging and uh I um I hope that this facilitates over time a bit of an intimate community with the Garrett Anderson music experience as it is evolving, and uh, yeah that's that's uh that's kind of the the nuts and bolts of it. Um, I I wanted to touch base on a few musical uh, recap kind of things quickly, and then uh, maybe just riff a little bit about some other ideas. Um, so real quick, I don't think I ever took a chance to talk about my so far gig. So far, uh, S-O-F-A-R stands for sound, Sounds from a Room or Songs from a Room. And uh, it's this really cool concept where uh, music lovers sign up ahead of time to see a show and they don't know who they're going to go see or where the show is. And then like a day before the show, they uh, the So Far organizers say, show up here at this time. Or, or maybe they give the time ahead of time so that people can clear their calendars and then they say show up at this place and, uh, and then they show up and they don't know who they're going to see perform. Um, a really interesting concept, a great way for people to go see some li- uh, you know, intimate live music. Uh, the, the intimate piece is important too because you know, they're, they're facilitating a listening room type environment where it's not, a, it's not a bar where people are going to socialize. They're there for the musical experience. So you get this nice captive audience. And, um, so I think it's a great thing for performers. Um, it's a neat, it's a neat way to go check out a new place that you've never been. 
Um, it's a neat way for fans to connect with uh, new new players, and uh, really really cool idea. Um, I think they're working out some kinks with artist compensation and making sure that they can keep the lights on with their administrative overhead. Um, uh, I think it is a, a for-profit endeavor. Um, I, I might need to check on that, but, uh, if they make a couple bucks, you know, so be it. Actually, let, let, might as well go on a quick aside here. I think there's this weird tension in capitalism in general that uh, the notion of earning profits is somewhat hidden. It's somewhat concealed, right? So for instance, I sell my CDs for $10. It costs me $3.30 to make them in small batches because it takes me a long time to sell 100 CDs out of the, you know, quote, trunk of my car, you know, which just is music, musician guy talk for selling them at your shows, right? So I go play. I've got my little briefcase uh, merch set up where I've converted my dad's old briefcase into a, a pop-up merch spot where I can open it up and I've got my CDs in there. I've got my business cards in there. I've got my email list sign up in there. So it's a nice, just sort of handy one-stop shop for what's going on um, with uh, the, the, the business administration type stuff going on with gigs. So, um, you know, I, I, I bought them for three dollars and 30 cents a unit um i need to recoup my cost and then there's profit you know after after that or you could look at it as once once the um or per unit you know if there's ten dollars six dollars and uh what is it six dollars and seventy cents is quote profit now it's not all profit right because i'm there's expenses built into being a independent musician from a business perspective uh maintaining your gear. Um, I, I've just had to send a, a guitar into the shop. Uh, that's not, that's not cheap. Um, driving yourself to the gigs, you know, having a working vehicle, like these are all things that I should be accounting more, um, diligently in terms of a business perspective to get like tax write-offs and stuff. But, um, that's a, uh, that's a to do. That's one of the, the areas that I have to mature. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, th- I think in terms of buying and supporting a local artist, you know, the, the $7 and, uh, what did I say? Six, no, $6 and, and 70 cents quote profit. You know, I'm, I'm investing that back into the, the musical business. And then I do feel like I should probably make a little bit of, you know, a little bit of money, um, for my, for my efforts. And it's a nice way for folks to take some music home with them and get to digest it in a setting that's uh, more conducive to them listening to the lyrics and letting the songs really, you know, hit them, um, you know, maybe more so than than a noisy bar. But um, but yeah, so uh, I think so far is doing trying to do a noble thing where they're explaining some of their cost structures and their compensation structures and things. And they're I think they're trying to iron it out in a way that is that is honest. Um, and then, you know, like I'm not, uh, I'm not anti-capitalist or anti-profits. I think people should make profits to reflect the value add that they bring. 
And, you know, this is a particularly cool organization. It seems like they're going to invest in themselves and, and, uh, keep making it better and cooler. So, you know, it's okay if they make a couple bucks, um, that otherwise could have gone to the artist or a cheaper ticket for the, for the participant, for the fan. But, uh, you know, I just think as we mature as a society, we could do better with explaining where profits go and, you know, maybe coming to some sort of comfort level with, oh, well, you know, if I'm paying whatever it is, $600 for an iPhone, you know, where, where is all that money going, you know, um, or, uh, on a related note, um, or, or sort of a tangent, your tax dollars, when you do, when you pay your taxes, you know, how, how many cents of each dollar is going to what? And, you know, you're like, wait, is that, do I feel good about that? So I don't know. I just, I don't like the feeling as a consumer of having the wool pulled over my eyes and, uh, just being blindly led to the financial slaughter of people, you know, making hand over fist money and just swimming around in it. Like, uh, that mean uncle duck. Was he mean? The Don, like Donald duck's uncle. Wasn't he a rich asshole? Scrooge McDuck. Was he a dick? I can't remember. <laughs> Give me all your money. <laughs> my dog, my dog just looked at me like I'm an idiot <laughs> for making duck noises. Um, yeah, Scrooge McDuck, you know, like that image of guys just swimming around in money. And, uh, you know, uh, wealth inequality, I think, I don't know. I might be getting in over my head here. I remember attending a lecture in, in sociology undergrad which is probably a red flag for a lot of people to be like, oh, that's some lefty communist bullshit right there. The social sciences are just bullshit and PC run amok and blah, blah, blah. But uh, I remember this guy pointing out this graph that was like, you know, income inequality growing over time. And he was like, so what do you guys think? Is this sustainable? Or, you know, would we come to a place where, you know, the, the rich people have their private armed security forces, um, uh, protecting their gated communities from the uh, the mob with pitchforks and and burning torches that are trying to you know just fucking scrap by to stay alive, you know I, income inequality is something that is a dicey topic because you know the capital folks are like hey you can't disincentivize work you know everyone's got to work to get theirs and it's like yeah well yes to a degree. You know, there there is some level of social fabric and and kind of a social protection that uh, that I think we should uh, strive based on like a, a value driven approach to uh, to facilitate as a society. But Jesus Christ, that is so far away from talking about so far sound. Oh my God, um, so far we showed up at a, a market in uh, called McDowell Mountain Market and we we played. Um, the, uh, the guy that was setting up took, took a sweet time. Um, I'm friendly with him, but, uh, I, I wish he had done a, a quicker job so that I could have sound checked ahead of time. Um, lo and behold, it turns out that, uh, I end up having to sound check like in front of people sitting there, like expecting the show to start on time. Like, it's like, Oh, this is awkward. Cause they see a performer sound checking and they're like, 
oh man, I wish this guy would have done this before, but I was at the mercy of the sound guy. So props to all those great sound guys out there that, you know, that, that try to stay on schedule and and do a good job. And I'm sure this guy could do a good job. Um, I I think he just got a little distracted and he had a lot of things to plug in and maybe I should have offered to, to lend a hand, but, uh, um, yeah, so it was a little stressful to, to have to sound check in front of the crowd. And then I also didn't get to loop my vocals through my looper, which would have added a lot to the show. And I was really bummed that that didn't, that, that, you know, didn't come through, but it was a good exercise in going with the flow and still putting on the best show I could. Um, and now that I'm saying this out loud, I can't remember if I've told, just talked to random people about it or if I've talked about it on the podcast, but I did have it as a bullet point to talk about today. So let's, let's just keep going in case, you know, maybe, maybe I talked about it before, but whatever. Um, you know, it was really cool to, to just walk up to, you know, I had my guitar on plugged in, walk, walked up to the microphone and then there's just, you know, 20 to 30 eyeballs. Uh, well, I guess, you know, 40 to 60 eyeballs and, uh, and ears, um, trying to remember if anybody was wearing a patch or had a glass eye to make it an odd number of eyeballs. I don't think so. So, you know, a bunch of people sitting there looking at you going, okay, put on a show. And I was like, oh my God, this is so different than playing a bar where you, you like kind of like at a bar or a a pub or a wine gig, you kind of like you know, like kind of walk in and start setting yourself up and you're like, okay, I'm just going to play now. And you start playing and people are still just eating and drinking and watching sports and, you know, flirting and doing whatever they do. But this was a totally different mindset and one that I really loved. I was like, holy shit, these people are really listening. I gotta, I gotta put on a good show. So, um, it was fun to like engage with the crowd a little bit. This one woman was, uh, I think she had some allergies or something going on. So she was kind of tearing up and using a tissue while I was um, playing, you know, uh, this, this melody. And I was like, it's going to be okay. Like, I know it's kind of a sad, it's kind of a somber, melancholy sounding melody, but it's, everything's going to be okay. And I got a laugh from the crowd. And then I was like, oh, this is fun. Like I could get into this. So, um, you know, maybe there's a, maybe there's something to be said for as a, as insecure as I sometimes can be, I think when the lights go on, you know, it's, it's, uh, when it's go time, show time, I think I can do a pretty good job. You know, that's all the hours I've put in at those bars and wine, wine places is, is paying off because I do have a, a sense of comfort and a sense of self when I'm performing. So, you know, I, I hope I did, I hope I did a good job. I'll get a video of the performance. That was, uh, my compensation, um, you know, in the, in the spirit of honesty, I'll, I'll let you know, my compensation choice was $50 payout or a quote professionally produced video. And I was like, Oh, I'll go with the video option. It'll be good to have some content and get to look back and kind of critique my performance and, and see what worked and, and fine tune it. And, uh, I, I really like the idea of the challenge of, of having a room where people are going to listen to you. So the onus is on you to put on a good show, put some thought into which songs you're going to play, make sure you're, you're well rehearsed on those ones versus at the bar where you're like, whatever, I'll just flip to this random cover song in my lyric book. And I haven't played it in six months, but whatever, it's going to be fine. And just, you know, power your way through it. Um, sometimes there's magic in that too, though. You know, you could, 
play something that you forgot that you knew how to play and it's really exciting to play again. But, you know, I, uh, I love this idea of being able to put on a good show, uh, a good 40 to 60 minute show and, and maybe eventually branch out into, you know, two sets or something of, of engaged performance so that folks can, can uh, follow along the ride and get a really quality experience out of it. So, so far was great practice in that regard. Um, and uh, met some nice other musicians. Got to play with this Phoenix area musician called Ben Anderson, who I'd uh, like to have on the podcast sometime. Um, I've invited him. He's he's all about it. We just got to figure out a date to get together. Um, and, uh, you know, again, it's like I, I love the concept in theory, and I'm so glad that I got to do it. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it, as with anything, it, it comes down to the execution. So wish the execution was a little bit, little bit more professional. And I did give that feedback to the organizers, um, and, uh, which, which felt funny. You know, I was able to word it in a way that I was, I could, I could, I still demonstrated that I had a great time and really appreciated the invitation. Um, I didn't, I don't think it came off as being a diva. I really came from a place of, I want this to be better because if I was an attendee and I got there on time and they, you know, the first act was sound checking and they were having technical difficulties and having to swap out microphones and try different shit to get the show on the road. Um, I would have been frustrated as a, as an attendee. So, um, try to put myself in, in those shoes and, and, uh, try to do the best job we can. So, uh, maybe I'll do another so far in the future, or, uh, you can look it up and see if they've got a chapter in your city. If you want to go check out and support some, uh, random, random acts and discover some new music. Um, I know one of my buddies from, uh, from back in the day from one of my Luca bandmates, Kenton, who's doing his own uh, hip hop thing, um, under the name Dunson. Oh, big shout out to him. He just surpassed a million SoundCloud streams for his, across all of his tracks that he's posted to SoundCloud. That is fucking awesome, dude. Um, so proud of, so proud of Kenton for doing that. He is putting out some amazingly honest, interesting music from like a hip hop perspective, just documenting his journey and struggle through his music. Um, he's a really cool cat. So check out Dunson, go give him a couple extra spins. Like maybe it'll take him half as, half as long or, you know, maybe 10% as long to get to 2 million streams after hitting a million streams. So dude, it's so badass that he got to do that. Um, and, uh, he, he did so far, I reached out to him. I said, Hey, you know, have you heard of this? I'm thinking about doing it. He was like, yes, I've done it. It's pretty cool. Go do it. So, uh, so yeah, he was the, uh, the only other person that I know that, that had done it, but it's pretty cool. So if you're an artist, um, and want to play it or a performer and want to play it, check it out. And if you're just a fan of music, you can check it out too and, and go check out some, some cool stuff. Um, I've got a really cool gig coming up on June 22nd. Speaking of playing for attentive ears, there is a new, newish venue in Phoenix called the Listening Room Phoenix. And I met uh, their proprietor, their owner, um, founder guy, nice dude named Jim, at um, one of the music networking events that I attended a, a, f- a few months ago now, a few weeks ago, before, a couple days ago. My wife gets, she gives me shit because everything is a couple days ago. Uh, you know, a couple days ago, a couple, couple weeks ago, before, in the before time. Um, I Yeah, I don't remember when that networking event was, but but man, did it 
did it generate a bunch of cool things for me to follow up on? And it's, it's been extremely fruitful. Um, going to go try to attend another, a different songwriter group, songwriters and recording, um, group thing on Saturday. I, uh, just, it's, it's great meeting people and, and sharing ideas and supporting each other and being part of the village that is the, the Phoenix area musical community. And I kind of get the sense that it's small enough that, um, you either make a good impression and, and become ingratiated with the village or, you know, um, it's small enough that you could probably get blackballed. So, um, (laughs) I don't know if people do that, but, uh, yeah, I'm I'm getting encouraged and affirmed by all the uh the neat little adventures that have come from that. Um so yeah, I've got I've got this gig on June 22nd. It's called the the Shakedown Showcase where they'll have me and three other players go up and play like a 40-minute set for a room full of people that are just there there to listen and enjoy music. And I hope it's the start of a relationship with that room because I think it could be a really cool direction for me to take my live shows. Maybe, um, you know, a beautiful vision for me and something to aspire to would be to graduate from the random bars and, and, you know, wine bars and pubs to listening room type environments uh, and, you know, the super exciting potential dream would be like playing small theaters and things and, you know, graduating from just being the random background music at, uh, you know, your local, uh, adult version of Chuck E. Cheese. Um, and, uh, and getting into like some ticketed shows and stuff. So, but, uh, you know, that's probably a ways off. I got to fine tune the show and, and build out the fan base and see if something like that would be possible. I, uh, I listen to a lot of stand-up comedians, um, also in podcasts and, and also their specials. And, and, uh, I'm like, is there, there could be a model there that musicians kind of musicians and comedians kind of share a similar business model in terms of going out and, and earning some, earning some, uh, some scratch, some bacon on the road, um, selling out, you know, booking uh booking a venue that that is an appropriate size for the amount of draw that you can have in an area and trying to build up a name for yourself and you know, there's nothing um inventive about that that's kind of the model that's that's worked for rock and roll and for stand up comedians and I'm like man wouldn't that be cool if I eventually got to that level um now uh, you know of course if you're familiar with the podcast you you will have heard me say many times that you know, there's a time and place for everything. And right now I've, I've got young kids, so I don't feel like I can really dive in full, um, fully into that sort of career, you know, or, or music career trajectory. Um, trajectory was really hard to say just now. Trajectory. That and statistics. I, I have to, I have to widen my mouth to say the word statistics correctly to allow my tongue to like bounce up and down and tap my teeth enough to make all those sounds statistical analysis. Um, so, uh, June 22nd, big show for me. I hope it's great. Um, JC three is, um, the name of the music publisher guy that I'm friendly with and is, you know, I, uh, wrapped up the last podcast with saying that I was going to review a contract that they had sent over. I reviewed it. It looks fair as long as I keep myself in check that, you know, 
I do, I'm a newcomer to this industry. This guy's got lots of experience. He's got a great studio. Um, the, the optimal experience will be, I go over there on Thursday. Um, we have good chemistry. We work on a track that, that I had sent him over. Actually, he, he dug that song all along that I have on my yard sale demos. Um, he said, Hey, this sounds, sounds pretty good. Like let's, let's work on it. So, um, the the best case scenario would be that we establish this relationship where I can be a bit of a creative force and then a good, uh, you know, a good studio player in terms of laying down some guitar and some vocals. And I don't know, maybe a little bit of keyboards here and there. If, if he lets me, he's, he's a keyboard player. So I think he'll probably be the, uh, the right person to play it, but you know, I can play a little decent rhythm on the keys. Um, so, and, and you know, I'm kind of humbled listening to the stuff that is competitive for the, uh, film and TV sort of, uh, so there's this mid level publishing, which is what this would be where unknown artists and unknown songs get used for film and television and commercials because they're affordable. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. Um, and then this, the super duper high level players or, you know, uh, recognizable songs by, by recognizable artists, you know, they, they command a different value for their tracks. And, um, I think it's an interesting, happy little opportunity and one that is right in line with what I've been trying to shift my focus towards. So, uh, on, uh, on a call with my, my kind of business music business mentor, um, Andy through the me now movement, quick shout out to the me now movement, uh, live me now.com. Um, we were having a conversation. He was like, dude, you've come a long way in six months. He was like, pat yourself on the back, be bold, be adventurous. You know, he was like, I can appreciate why like the academic side of you is being cautious about contracts and things. And that's going to serve you well, but also like, you know, let that passionate part of you that's creative and wants to, wants to succeed in this area, um, let that really shine through. So he was giving me a good pat on the back and, uh, we were comparing conversations that we had had six months ago where I didn't even know which door to stick my pinky toe into to try to keep it open and, and make a quick dash through the door. Um, and now, you know, I've, I've been chatting with this music publisher that I'm going to go try to collaborate with. And, um, the guy who reviewed the contract ended up being actually a, a different publisher, so, uh, you know, he, but he, you know, he considered himself a consultant on this one. He wasn't, uh, looking to, uh, poach, poach my songs or, or, or my, you know, <laughs> it's actually funny. He, uh, he goes, well, in order for me to, to, you know, give you a, a real good, um, a real good lay of the land, I'll need to see the contract and I'll need to hear a couple of your songs. And I sent him like five songs and, uh, he he goes, yeah, so uh, I listened to the first four, and I couldn't really tell why they wanted to work with you. And I was like, oh, that stings. Ouch. And then, but and I was like, eh. And he goes, uh, the fifth one was pretty good. I like that one. It's almost ready. Like, I could see somebody using that in a TV show. Or I was like, oh, shit, fuck yeah. Like, so he, uh, he, he didn't sugarcoat it, and he let me know what he really thought about those first four. Um, and, uh, but he did say that, that one of them sounded like competitive and he goes, John is going to be a good guy for you to work with because he can, he can get your stuff up to, up to, 
you know, up to competitive sounding. And one of my limitations by myself is, you know, my home studio recordings don't sound professional because I don't have a background in and I haven't invested the time in figuring out recording and mixing and mastering. I've just kind of learned it on my own and, and tried my best at it. Um, I just remembered I got to check my phone to see if, uh, oh, Jesus. Okay, it is 530. I hope she's got them. Okay, good. Okay, my wife just grabbed the, she's going to grab the kids. Good. Good. All right. Woo. Hopefully dodged a bullet there with leaving, leaving poor Emma at summer camp for too long. <laughs> no, she'll be all right. She loves summer camp. But I, I uh, so uh, what's, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's a rare it's sort of a rare opportunity here that a guy who is also a producer of his own music is the publishing company. I mean, it's a small entity. It's just a guy and his wife running the shop, trying to build out their music catalog, meeting with music supervisors in LA that need mid-level unknown artists, unknown songs to use in stuff and, and make some money and send some checks back home to, to the songwriter and the publisher. And, uh, I am, I'm approaching it as an investment in time and I hope I learn a lot by jamming with this guy. I hope I bring something to the table. I hope we have good chemistry and, uh, that'll be a really exciting update to give you guys, uh, in a week or so. Cause I'm going to go meet him on Thursday. We've got a nice, uh, three or four hour jam session, uh, or, you know, session scheduled where we'll be getting together and, and testing it out. You know, I'm so, I'm fucking thrilled. Like, I started this podcast going, uh, I don't know if I'm ever going to make it as a rock star. So I think I'm going to try to do like some music publishing. Um, I don't really know how that works, but I just know that it's called publishing. And um, I'm going to read some books by like my rock and roll heroes to try to get excited and inspired. I'm going to show up to some networking events and, and try not to be awkward and I'm going to get my elevator pitch down so that people know what I need from them. And like, I'm doing it in a goofy voice just because that's kind of my memory of how I felt about it all. I was like, eh, this feels weird, but, uh, but it's real. Like life can unfold, um, in front of your eyes. And if you're willing to like walk through it and kind of trudge through it a little bit, like imagine walking through like three feet of snow where you're kind of kicking the snow as you go and you're, you're kicking your boots along and crunching through the top layer. And you know, you got to work for it a little bit. And I, uh, there was part of it was probably laziness, not working hard for it in, in the past. Part of it was that the vision was different. You know, I was, I was looking to build out a fan base exclusively. Um, and, and part of it was that I, I was probably being judgmental about pursuing things in like a business savvy sort of way. You know, I was like, that's exactly why I, you know, that's the opposite reason why I got into music. I got into music so that I wouldn't have to be some slimy businessman. And I'm not saying that, that the recent endeavors have been slimy. I'm saying that, uh, I've matured and, and I've got a family to support and my, uh, I'm trying to align my musical successes with something that can help my family. 
um, and, and myself. And, uh, yeah, so I'm super duper, super duper excited to go jam with this guy on Thursday and cross my fingers. We have great chemistry and want to keep going and hustle on some tracks that, that are competitive. And, um, I'm a little bit anxious about uh, the document that I signed (laughs) because I'm not quite sure if I can use these songs to put on like the next Garrett Anderson independent record. Um, I've got to work that out with them. And then I might, you know, need to be discerning about, Hey, you know, we can work on this one together, but this other one is a little closer to home and a little bit more soulful for me. I don't want to give up the rights on that one. So, you know, it's, it's going to be each song is its own sort of entity and and we can establish the right sort of contractual legal parameters around each one. And, And I've just got to get savvy about it. And, in the uh, in the onset, or you know, as I get into this, I have to be willing to maybe make some stumbles and maybe give up a song that I wish I didn't give up, um, and say, "Hey, that's part of the lesson." But uh, you know, I don't um, I don't see it. Uh, I don't it. I don't see it being all bad. I'm going to learn something one way or the other as we move forward through this. So, you know, I got my snow boots on and I'm excited. I'm that kid running around through the snow and I'm going to be, you know, there's going to be times where I'm exhausted and I need to come in and have a little, little cup of hot cocoa and uh, just chill out. Um, But uh, this musical adventure is really, really nice. It's a great thing for me to have to, to chip away at um, in, in moments of inspiration and, and with some diligence and, with humility and with honesty and trying not to be slimy, trying to just understand where things are coming from and being okay with making a little profit. Um, if, if that's okay, <laughs> if that's okay with you. I'd like to make a little bit of a living off of my art. Um, it seems, uh, it seems like that's a hard way of going uh, this day and age. Um, maybe it's always been hard. And I think I'm just, I'm not quite crazy enough that I was going to dive off the deep end and, and completely dedicate my life to either making it or breaking it in terms of art. And I think I found a fun, productive, still sort of passionate pursuit with, uh, with these tunes and one that could, uh, help make it so that I'm not entirely broke sending my kids to college. Um, or at least maybe buy my wife a nice dinner on our anniversary or something like that. You know, every little bit counts. Um, real quick, uh, we're going to move here. I'm going to move out of the place we're renting right now. Going to go live in a a different house, a couple streets over and trading in some interior square footage for a little bit better backyard. I'm so excited for my dog for that. He loves that backyard. We took him over. The uh, The real estate lady wanted to meet the dog to make sure that he wasn't going to be a menace to society and, and destroy the house. And of course, she loved him. Jack has a really good demeanor with people. And um, and Jack was running around the backyard sniffing things. There's a little bit of grass out there, a couple like terraced, like, uh, terraced steps um, where he can jump up and um, man, my wife is so excited. We, we kind of decided that we didn't love this house. 
Um, but it's funny with, with rental leases, you don't want to make that decision too soon. You know, at the six month mark, we're still like, yeah, this place is pretty cool. Like if we move this here and kind of readjust how we use this space, like, yeah, that works better. Like, great. And, uh, in the back of our heads, we're like, yeah, this probably wasn't the perfect, the perfect choice. And I feel guilty. Sorry. Sorry to my wife and family. Cause I was like, yeah, this place is great. And I remember saying to myself, I was like, this, this is the kind of place that makes me want to like put on a button up in the morning and like you know like it, it feels classy and it feels professional and it feels like a nice the nice like next place for the next phase of our family and in hindsight I'm like what the fuck was I thinking I don't like putting on button-ups that's not me so uh maybe I was trying to trying to force myself into something that I'm not but uh we're going to a, a different spot and looking forward to it. It's going to be good forcing us to get get rid of stuff that we don't need in the house. I had to go through the file cabinet the other day. Um which is real quick if if I could be a, a voice of inspiration, one of my favorite things about getting ready to move is that we we're just buckling down on all fronts. It's like, "Hey, we got to be ready for this move." And even stuff that's not really related to the move, but just like you know, when you're busy and when you're, when you're checking off things off your to-do list, you tend to just be really productive, or at least I do. And, um, you know, I got my car serviced. That was kind of hanging over my head. Um, I went through the file cabinet that was kind of hanging over my head. It's just like, do the things that are hanging over your head, because until you do them, they're going to cast a shadow on you. Um, and that shadow is painful. And I let myself live in the hell of the shadows for way, way too long. I keep relearning this lesson, but I keep having to remind myself that like, if you're pro- proactive and productive about things that are going to stress you out, like the car thing, like if I got my car serviced, it's, it's running fine. It's running well. If it breaks down on the side of the road, I'll be annoyed, but I won't feel guilty and I won't be angry at myself for not keeping up with the car. If it had broken down like, you know, two weeks ago before I got it serviced, I would have been like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. You know, this, this is all my fault. I I'm too lazy. I should have done it sooner and blah, 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 blah. So there was that shadow there of like guilt because I know I wasn't being my best. I wasn't in my finest hour. I wasn't, uh, tackling my to-do list. So, um, hopefully, uh, uh, you know, you can hear some of the positivity and some of the peace in my voice right now, just because I know me and my wife and, um, I was going to say my kids, but they're not really helping out that much. Um, Oh, poor Bryn. I I had a bag of uh, stuffed animals. I was like, all right, guys, we got to, we can save a lot of our favorite stuffed animals, but we got to get rid of a couple, you know, a couple of them. So here's a trash bag and, you know, say goodbye to some of your stuffies. (laughs) And and, uh, so they kind of filled it up three quarters of the way. And then when they weren't looking, I kind of looked around and I was like, all right, this one's bullshit. Uh, You know, we had this like U-Haul giveaway stuffed animal thing. And I was like, that's, that's, that's nonsense. Okay. We can get rid of that one. We had one that, uh, you know, was sweet. It was like an Easter bunny thing, this multicolored Easter bunny. And I was like, I'm sure that was given to the girls with like such a loving intention, but you know, we can't have 300 stuffed animals. We, we got to get down to 150 or, you know, I'm making up those numbers, but they're not that exaggerated. So I put this multicolored bunny, um, <laughs> in the donation bag. And it's like with this clear, you know, uh, garbage bag, Ziploc, uh, not Ziploc, but like a, a pole tie, elastic pole tie, glad bag. 
um, but it's white, a little bit see-through. So we go to Goodwill the other day, my, my uh, little one, who's almost five, she's in the back of the car. I go to Goodwill donation. The guy comes to grab it. I hand him, I hand him the bag and she can see this multicolored Easter bunny. And she's like, no, my Easter bunny. I don't want to get it. Just instant tears just streaming down her face. And I felt so bad, but I was just like, well, hey kiddo, you know, what here's what you got to think you got to think like i really hope that a new kid gets that bunny and and uh and gives it a really fun life and she was like okay i'll try and she was she was sad for seven minutes and then uh we haven't talked about it since out of sight out of mind you ever think about that all the shit in your life that you've gotten rid of that you never think of again but at the time you're like oh it hurts to throw this out i think we all have a little bit of a hoarder in us it's like the same piece of evolutionary biology that's like related to the squirrels that stuff trees with nuts for the winter time. You know, it's just weird to get rid of stuff, but we're we are on the top of the food chain. We're evolved and we're really good at accumulating crap. Um, you know what you can have too many of is is free frisbees. Why why did the free frisbee become like the standard giveaway at uh, like job fairs and and like community arts festivals and things and it's the shittiest frisbee you could have it's got like slice your fingers sharp edges on it um and it's light enough that the slightest gust of wind is gonna blow it off course yeah those things suck so i got rid of a couple freebie frisbees threw away a table the other day i was able to fit a table into the trash can like I'm, i'm trying to be real proactive about it and then the other funny thing is that as a dude, I've got my things that I use and not much else. <laughs> like, yes, I have a lot of musical equipment, but I try to use it all. There's a few things that I should uh, I should get rid of. I did post one of my guitars on Craigslist that I don't play anymore. Um, but uh, even that one, as I was posting, I was like, maybe I should give it another try. Maybe maybe I need to change the settings on the amp and get a cooler sound out of it. And I was like, wait, what am I doing? Like, I just I'm not going to play this guitar. I don't need to move it again. Let's try to sell it. So um, but yeah, now now it's up to the rest of the family to go through all their stuff and uh, and pack it up. I'm. uh, But yeah, I'm I'm excited to move and start a new chapter. And, uh, you know, the the life stuff is way it's nice to have some perspective that that actual life is super duper important and that this musical journey is is just that it's a journey and incremental small progress is completely cool with me and it's really exciting to to have this um have this incremental progress and hey shit i'm jamming with a publisher a producer publisher guy on thursday so um you know let's let's be optimistic and, uh, I got to practice like singing and playing over the next couple of days. So I feel like I go in there with some mojo. All right. Um, that's it for this week. And, um, yeah, be in touch, drop a line, uh, say, Oh, one more quick thing about so far. The, my favorite thing about that gig was that, uh, a woman that bought one of my CDs, uh, later that night found me on Twitter and gave me a little direct message on, on Twitter. And she says, Hey, I just got through a relationship and I'm really glad that, you know, that, that I found your music and it it brought me to tears. Um, and I was like, all right, cool. 
So those sort of connections, um, as I mentioned, reaching out, you know, direct message me on Twitter um, or Facebook and um, let me know what you're liking and what I can do better. And uh, yeah, I'd, it would be a little bit of a bummer if I do this for another year or two, the podcast and the musical adventure, and I haven't developed some sort of engagement with the community. I don't want it to be all one way. So if, uh, if you feel like reaching out, don't hesitate. That's, that's all I'm trying to say. Cause I do want to approach this in the spirit of service, especially the podcast. Like this is really fun. I'm having a great time doing the podcast. I'm going to try to have some more guests on and facilitate honest dialogue and use this platform as a way to just share some truth in this, uh, this age of alternative facts and fake news, it's fake news, right? Um, we, we gotta, I think as a society and as a humanity in the internet age, we're, we're fighting territory over truth right now. And it's, it's uncomfortable and it's probably a tale as old as time, but, but this one feels, uh, especially important. So let's keep, let's keep finding the truth. Hey, Bryn. All right, family's home. Got to wrap it up. Oh